Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Trippin' with Silver Daddy. That's me. And this podcast is going to be interesting, I think. It's going to be emotional, I know, for me. What happened is I have received like a few emails from followers who asked me if I would be willing to share my coming out story. And I'm like, you know, I'm all about sharing and trying to help other people. And if it helps someone, then it's worth doing. And this show actually is a lot about my coming out. The people we're going to meet in the area I was at has a lot to do with my coming out. But before I get into all that, You have to understand a few things about my past, and just the past in general. So, I was in college in the 80s. Basically, it was 1982, second semester, no, actually the first semester of my sophomore year, or my second year in college. And I made this decision that I was very unhappy with my major. And my major was business, and it was going to be either accounting or finance. And I was not really into it, and I really wanted to become a teacher. It's something that I've always thought about and I wanted to do. I told my parents in a phone call that I was looking at changing my major to education into elementary education. Basically, I didn't get a real positive vibe from my mother. So it's always about trying to keep my mom happy. Because my mom was like the matriarch of the family. I talked to the College of Education about transferring. And they said, yeah, all my classes I've taken so far could be used as electives. And I could do this. So I was all excited because I knew I would be very happy being a teacher. Well, there was a, let's call it like a family intervention. About three days later, my mom, my dad, and my brother all come driving up to my college, which was about an hour away from home. And we had this big sit-down meeting. I call it the family intervention. And basically, I was told that I could not change my major because I would never make money as a teacher. And I had to stay in business like my brother, who was very successful, and that if I changed my major, my parents would stop supporting me in college, which they really didn't support me at all. The only thing they did was pay for my damn food pass. I mean, everything else was on student loans. Once again, I have this family pressure on me, and I decided to stay in business. I ended up getting a degree in finance, which I totally hated, because I love being around people. And sitting behind a desk and doing numbers all day just is not me. I stayed in finance. 
You kind of need to know that about my past, so when I tell you about my coming out, it'll all make sense eventually. Trust me on this one. But you also have to realize that this was back in the mid-80s. Totally different time frame of being gay than it is now. What, like 25 plus years later? I mean, being gay wasn't really acceptable, especially in my family. I came from a very religious crown, went through all Catholic education. So being gay really wasn't going to be easy. So I decided I'm never going to be gay. I can get married. I can do that. But I never really dated anyone. I mean, I dated some people, but they always broke up. And I was always fine with it, break it up. But then I met my ex-wife, and things were a little different, and we ended up getting married. And we had a child, I have a daughter, and I was so happy just being a father, being with my daughter, and being a parent, and I thought it was great. However, the whole other part, about relationships just did not work out. So now let's talk about the coming out. You know, I see nowadays and I see all these people who come out and their parents are all supportive of them and everything is lovey-dovey and I call it the Disney moment. Everyone lives happily ever after. Well, that sure in the fuck wasn't my situation. Because what ended up happening is I ended up getting a job as a teacher. And I didn't have a teaching degree. And I taught in a town called Oldenburg. It's in Indiana. And I taught at the time, when I first, my first year there, it was an all-girls school. I loved my job finally got to do what I always wanted to do, and I loved it. And I loved every minute of it. The following year, or during that first year I was there, the school decides to go co-ed, which I wasn't in favor of, but that's not my business. So I'm still teaching at Oldenburg. And during this time, my ex found out that I was gay. And at first, she was very supportive of it. Loved everything, didn't have a problem with it, asked me to share more, was all into all this. And I shared everything, told her everything, only to have everything I told her to be used against me. Because she decided that she wanted a divorce, Basically, I had my babysitter come up to an elementary that I was working at. Oh, let me back up. So before I got the job as a teacher at the high school, I was working at a grade school elementary. And during the period when I was working at the elementary, I applied to be a teacher at the high school. And I was accepted. So I ended up resigning my position at the elementary 
to be a teacher. And all the teachers at the elementary were so excited for me. The principal was really, the principal actually wrote a glowing letter for me to become a teacher there. What ended up happening is during that summer and all that is when my ex-wife decided that she was going to file for divorce. And it was really right at the end of the school year. And I didn't know she was going to do this. And how I found out was she actually told our babysitter that she was coming early today to take my daughter and they were going to go away and that she was going to file for divorce. My babysitter knew how wrong this was because my babysitter knew how close my daughter and I was that my babysitter came up and told the principal at the elementary, who then called me into a meeting to tell me about all this. Well, during the summer, I ended up getting the job and started teaching at Oldenburg. And you'll hear the rest of the story at the end of this podcast. So stick around. We're going to take a commercial break. We are going to an antique place that sells Sister Cleo's ice cream, and I hear it is good. Catfish Dewey's is my favorite place to eat because they have all you can eat. Hey, they have more than that. They have a regular menu, but I like my food. And on Monday, Tuesday nights, they have all you can eat shrimp. On Wednesday, it's the barbecue baby back ribs. On Thursday and Sunday, it's that Alaska snow crab legs on friday it's the fried scallops and on saturday it's the fried oysters and crawfish hey catfish dewey's has been around for 40 years because they know how to do it right big family environment and has a great little bar inside the place let me just tell you you need to go to catfish dewey's you know they're conveniently located at four 003 North Andrews Avenue in Oakland Park, which is just north of downtown Fort Lauderdale. See you at Catfish Dewey's. Hey everyone, welcome back to Trippin' with Silver Daddy. Hey, I am in Oldenburg and I know this town, been here, used to actually teach here. So I know this, I know the city and this city has some great Heritage, great customs, and great shops. And I'm in one of them right now. I'm at the Carriage House Antiques, and it is home of Sister Cleo's homemade ice cream. And you know Daddy likes to eat. And I'm with Jim, the owner. Hi, Jim. Hi. How are you? I'm fine. So you were telling me you've been doing antiques for a while. Yeah, I've been doing antiques for 43 years. My wife and I, and we've had several different stores, and we were located in a carriage house across the street, and we ended up buying the bank building here, and um, we moved our antiques here, and then ended up making ice cream. And making ice cream. And this ice cream, Sister Cleo, is she part of the Franciscan order here in town? Yes, Sister Cleo has been a sister. She'll be celebrating 60 years next year. Wow. She's 89 years young. Yes. Birthday's coming up in about a week. And um, it was her idea to get involved with the ice cream. 
She used to always stop at the antique store, and my wife works up there at the convent. And so she knew us, and uh, she said, you need to make homemade ice cream. People in town need it. And I had told her I couldn't do that because the carriage house was not air conditioning, and there was not a uh, kitchen or anything like that. So lo and behold, I somehow got a hold of a bank building, and the first week she said, you have a kitchen, let's make ice cream. Wow. So how many years have you been making ice cream now? We've been making ice cream. This is our sixth year. Six years. We started off with, uh, I really didn't want to do it. <laughs> and uh, so we started off with one little machine that you can make uh, in an hour, a half a gallon of ice cream. And I said, if I sell 40 scoops a month, I'll be happy. And we just had vanilla chocolate and a flavor of the month. And one thing led to another, and we had seven small machines, and now we run five commercial machines. And out of this little store, we've sold over 62,000 scoops of ice cream. Uh, sounds like a little bit more than the, how many did you say? You 40 would, a month. 40 a month. Sounds like a little bit more than 40 a month then. Yes. Sister, she comes down at about 1 o'clock almost every day. She's on her rollator, and she makes 13 gallons of ice cream up the bases every day. These are her recipes. She is one of 17 siblings, grew up on a farm just outside of town. She cooked for the sisters, ran their kitchen. She cooked for the Archbishop of Indianapolis personally. And so everything we make here is homemade. We make our extracts. We use sassafras root for root beer. And uh, nothing gets past her mouth and, and hits the shelf until she says okay. Wow, that's incredible. And I know sassafras and root beer. And that I, this just sounds amazing. And to be honest with you, when I got into town, which is another small little town around Guilford, if you've ever heard of Guilford, Indiana. So staying yep. with some relatives there. And I said, hey, I'm going to go do a show in Oldenburg. And the first thing they told me, it wasn't about any James Beard or anything. The first <laughs> thing I heard was, you need to go to that sister's place that makes ice cream. It is the best ice cream. And I said to him. I said, is it better than my hometown Cincinnati favorite ice cream? Graters. Graters. Yeah. I said, is it better than that? Because I live in Florida now, and they claim they have great ice cream. And I tell everyone, no one has better ice cream than Graters. And my family said, it is better than Graters. You have to go there. Little story. I'm not going to mention names or anything, but our uh, Butter Pecan, there's a group of graders workers that stop in and buy the pints and eat them in the parking lot. They like everything they make, but are like they like our Butter Pecan better. Wow. So I grew up in Cincinnati, and I worked for graders for a little bit, so I know graders So you know cream. graders, too. Yes. Yeah, it's like one of those things coming home, I tell everyone. You know, I've been out of this area for 20 years, but there are certain things when you come home... It's like a must-have, and usually Grater's is a must-have, and for me, it's La Rosa's Pizza, pizza. is a must-have. Now, the funny thing is, we have Skyline in Florida, so that's I don't right. have to worry about Skyline. But yeah, that's great. But let's talk a little bit, besides ice cream, you have some beautiful antiques in here. Yes, I've been uh, selling antiques for 43 years now. I specialize in uh, 17th century and even 16th century items uh, through private dealers. Uh, a lot of um, 
Oh, uh, founding fathers documents. Uh, wow! Just got an engraving last week um, from uh, Paul Revere. He engraved himself on the Minutemen, and uh, so just a lot of different things, icons from the 1600s, and and then all the way down to you know um, the Beatles wallets. So really, I have to have a little bit of everything for somebody. But we are a small store. The ice creams moved us out of half of the building already. Because people were sitting on the floor in the winter eating it. We do have a wonderful courtyard so they can go out in the summertime. But my and antiques is my love. That's that's what I really like. I, I can understand that. And there are some beautiful antiques. And everyone, just to let you know, I'm going to take some photographs and put them on all my social media of the store. And we'll put some information out so okay. you can get a hold of them. But if someone did need to get a hold of you, do mm-hmm. you have... You have a website? I do have a website, and it has a lot of our items on there and a tour through the store, and that would be under Carriage House Antiques. So it's carriagehouseantiques.com? Dot com. Okay, carriagehouseantiques.com. Yeah, you can find, even if you put Carriage House Antiques, we'll show up in Oldenburg, and there'll be information about Sister Cleo on there and a picture of her and, and her little bio and uh, she's she's a hoot now. She's she she has people that she has uh, some shirts with their names on it, and two twins uh, who are going to school in London had their shirts on in front of the Queen Mum's house and sent it back and to her. And send it to her. Yes. Oh, I bet I I see the, I see the shirt. We're gonna have to get some pictures of all this, everyone, because this is a great little area. And I'm telling you, if you are in anywhere between Indianapolis, Cincinnati area, you have to stop in Oldenburg. It's just a great little community, a great little town. You're not we're not talking big cities, but we are talking big spirals. There's a yeah. lot of spirals in town. So a lot of churches, a lot of spirals, a lot of historical buildings. Historical. The whole town is historical. We're working on a stone house right now that was the first house built in town, and it's soon to be an Airbnb and, and another business. So uh, there's most of the houses in town are historical. There's about 600 people that live in town, and about 130 of them are nuns. 130 to 600 are nuns. Correct. Wow. Yeah, I remember we used to come down here because even where I was from on on the west side of Cincinnati, um, I was from a parish called Victory, Our Lady of Victory, and Sister Rosita, who was our principal, was always down here. And we would actually drive down here just to see Sister Rosita. She passed away, um, and I even know where her marker is, and I stopped here earlier just to go see her marker because she was... She's one of those individuals who was important in my whole family's life. Like my brother's 12 years older than I am. My sister's nine years older. They both had her as a principal at our parish school, which was Our Lady of Victory. And then I had her too. So I knew her from the mm-hmm. whole family. So yeah, it's yeah. It's, a, it's a small world. It's a small world, but it's it's a connecting world. That's correct. Yeah. Well, before we go, is there anything else that I would love? Because I really want people to come here. Well, one thing is just, just the building that we're in. 
was built in 1855, and it started uh, as a tavern and an inn, and then in 1909 it became the Farmer's Merchants Bank of Oldenburg. And when you're standing in here, you're on one side of the tide of the teller case and I'm on the other. Everything's original. The vault works, everything. So oh, I just realized yes, that. the facade is still the same, and it was a working bank until 1987. Oh, my gosh. Now that I'm looking around, I'm recognizing that's DeVault. The little piece of Germany is DeVault from the oh. bank. Well, that is great. Hey, everyone, make sure you come here. You need to come to the Carriage House Antiques. I need to take a short break, everyone. You've been listening to, and still are listening to, Trippin' with Silver Daddy. I'll be right back. Open your calendar, everyone, because I need you to mark these dates off. It's important. October 26th to November 1st, because it is Cannonball 2023 in Fort Lauderdale in the Wilton Manors area. You know, Fort Lauderdale with the beautiful beaches, great weather. But this is one of the biggest bear chub and chaser events in South Florida. There's so much we're going to do. I mean, you have the food. You have the Shamara dinner. We have the brunch with the queens. We have the barbecue. But then you have all these great events we're going to go to. The Sahara Gold Party. Hey, we're even going to ride a jungle queen. I hope she doesn't hurt me. And we're going to go airboating. Hey, you need to go to cannonballbash.com and register and get your passes now. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Trippin' with Silver Daddy. And I'm still in Oldenburg, and I am in probably one of the most famous places besides the nunnery. I'm in one of the most famous places. I'm at Wagner Village Inn. I want to make sure I got that name right. And I know this place, and I'll explain later how I know. I'm with the owner, Dan. Hi, Dan. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. We're at Wagner's Village Inn. It was uh, founded by my grandparents in 1968 uh, by Ralph and Helen Wagner. Uh, it's been in the family ever since then. I'm their, their grandson, and it's been a, a pleasure to be a steward of what they started uh, over 60 years ago. And... Like, I've been here many years. 20 years ago plus, I've been here. And I think I know your sister, Mm -hmm. Natalie. You do know my sister, Natalie. Uh, You were a high school teacher here at the um, All Girls Catholic Academy in Oldenburg, Indiana. And Natalie was one of my students, and I knew if I ever, if Natalie was never in class, I knew right where to find her. You could have come here, had a beer, and, and she would have served you illegally, I'm sure. Yes, she probably would have. I probably would have had a beer while I then had to go back to school. And some days that could have been needed, trust me. But your this family and your family's heritage and with this restaurant, it's well known. It was known years ago because even when I lived on the west side of Cincinnati, we would drive all the way out here just to come to your grandparents' place. Yeah, uh, absolutely. What's really neat is there's been an ebb and flow of, um, we'll call it popularity, that comes with this restaurant. Every couple of years, some new thing, some news breaks. We're in the the New York Times in the the mid-2000s. We're uh, in the Chicago Tribune in the, the mid to late 80s. And whenever these things happen, there's this big rush uh, where everybody needs to come out uh, and try our um, pan-fried chicken that we cook in pig fat. That's right, everyone. 
this chicken is fried in hog fat. And let me tell you, hog fat, fat is where the flavor is. Don't let anyone kid you. If you don't have fat, you don't have flavor. And that's why their chicken has the best flavor. But you were saying every couple of years something happens. But something just happened this past year here, right? Something did. Something really big. I think it's probably the biggest thing that's happened for Wagner's. We were recognized by the James Beard Foundation for... Or, or we are, were awarded the American Classic. And if you don't know anything about the American Classic, I'll tell you uh, what I found out, having known nothing about the American Classic, until four hours after I was informed that we won it uh, by a friend in North Carolina, uh, to which I said, uh, oh shit, I don't have enough chicken for this weekend. Uh, but... The American classic, and the purpose of this is there are 12 regions across the United States. It's a continental, or it's a United States, including Hawaii and Alaska, only um, award. There are 12 uh, regions. We are in the Great Lakes region, which is Illinois, Ohio, Indiana, and Michigan. And six restaurants win the American Classic, one from each region every year, and they flip-flop. So it's uh, six regions one year, then the other six regions the next year. We are the second uh, restaurant to win this award in, 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 the history, in Indiana, in the history of the James Beard Foundation. And the purpose of the award is to recognize businesses that capture the traditions of their... Uh, their area and their community and continue to serve their community without making lots of changes. They, they just continue to provide that quality, uh, the, the spirit of that community. And, and that's what we've done when all the other restaurants around here, if you know anything about Southeast Indiana and fried chicken, uh, we have the chicken trail down here. Every place has fried chicken. Every place claims that they have the best fried chicken and they all do. Uh, but mine's still the best. Even if you go to another restaurant, they'll say theirs is the best, and that's just the fun competition around here. When most places around here that I know of have switched from pan-frying chicken to deep-frying chicken because it is easier, it is faster, and you can teach a 14- or 15-year-old kid how to do it, and then you can go uh, deal with the rest of your restaurant. Wagner's never changed it. We continue to pan-fry it in 14-inch cast-iron skillets. Uh, in, in pig fat, we're the only place that I know of um, in the world that pan fries it in pig fat wow we still do it the way grandma does it and honestly i don't know how to deep fry chicken so i don't know how to change anyways when the award came out and you said you didn't have enough chicken did you actually run out chicken i ran out of chicken every single day for two weeks i am good friends with our chicken supplier blake o'mara out of greensburg it's about 20 miles away and I called him, and I'm like, hey, we won some crazy-ass award. I need more chicken. I also need more green beans. I need more mashed potatoes. I need more coleslaw, or I need more cabbage so we can make more coleslaw. I need more uh, the base for making coleslaw dressing. I need more sugar. I need more flour. I need more of everything. And I went, and I picked up as much as I could that day. And then I went again that same day because we ran out of all of it. And then the next day, I'm like, hey, uh, I didn't sleep last night. I, I drank a little bit too much because it's, there's no reason not to celebrate. I was out in my backyard. This is a different story about running out of, of more stuff. Um, drank, a little bit hungover. This was a Thursday morning. The information came out on Wednesday. We sold out of everything Wednesday night. Uh, 
A Thursday morning comes around, 9 in the morning, I drive up to Greensburg, buy everything, I'm a little bit hungover, come back home, really don't know what to do. Um, I'm a little bit ghosty white because I had way too much to drink. I'm in my backyard uh, pulling weeds because I didn't know what else to do with my nervous energy. And I get a, a, uh, my bartender walks outside and they're like, oh, uh, Channel 12 out of Indianapolis is going to be here in an hour and they want an interview. Uh, and I'm like, great. You no, know, no, it was one of those where I'm like, I'm not even going to try to make this better than it really is. This is going to be shit. I look like a ghost. I grab my two year old. I have him on my lap. Um, this incredibly uh, kind and outgoing news anchor came. I asked all these questions. They were here probably four or five hours videoing everything. We go through this interview. Somehow I don't uh, mess it all up. I make sure that the camera focuses on my two-year-old who's opening and spilling out sugar packets and trying to undo the pepper, uh, the little pepper mill that's sitting on our tables. We get through it. I'm done with that. Three hours later, we're out of chicken again, and I have to drive to Greensburg to pick more up. Wow. And and honestly... that's what it was like for the first two months. It was just crazy. I didn't know how to react because it was greater than anything we ever had. Um, our business was, for the first month, was triple our average. But here's the great thing about it. Not only did you benefit from this, but I can tell you from an interview I've just done, there's other businesses that benefited from it. So I just came from the ice cream. Oh, so you went to the, the Cleo's. You talked to Jim Meyer? Uh, yes, I talked to Jim. And Jim said the best thing. He goes, I said we would never sell more than 40 scoops of ice cream. But when they won that damn award, damn award, we all of a sudden, that first day, we sold over 200 scoops of ice cream because it was so crowded down there. People were coming up here buying ice cream, waiting in line down yep. there. So he was all excited about you winning this award. A hundred percent. All the town was a buzz. It still really is. Everybody, everybody is benefiting, and I make sure that I tell everybody. All the restaurants in this area, the Bra House, they're fantastic. The Pearl Street Pub is fantastic. Um, go down to the Village Store and and pick up anything. They have an amazing meat market. They make a lot of uh, uh, pre-made kind of uh, meat products that you can get. And go up to Sister Cleo's, which easily if you did, I'm not sure if you had an opportunity I to have some. You it did. was by it far is the, the best. best ice cream and I on even this said side of the Atlantic. It's the best ice cream you can get on this side of gelato I, in Italy. It's amazing. I even Sister Cleo's insane. I said, if I have a brand in Cincinnati. And he right away said, Graders, yeah. he said, if it beats that, he goes, try this. And I took one bite, and I'm like, Which sold. What, what, what uh, flavor, Jeff? Oh, the caramel. The, the salted, salted caramel. caramel. Amazing. Oh, my God. Amazing. The strawberry. The strawberry tastes like summer. Yeah. I don't even know how to explain it. It just tastes like summer. The chocolate is, it's the smoothest ice cream I have ever had. It's the smoothest, lightest ice cream ever. I cannot talk. I can't talk that their ice cream up more than I can. It's, it's amazing. And that's why I want everyone to know, if you are anywhere, I'm talking anywhere between Indianapolis, Cincinnati, Dayton, Louisville, you are in driving distance of Oldenburg. And you need to come here and try the chicken at Wagner's. Hey, everyone, I have to go on a break. I'll be right back. You're listening to Trippin' with Silver Daddy. 
When Silver Daddy needs to go shopping, you know where you'll find me. I'll be at Leatherworks. Let me tell you, the reason I love this place is because it is the premier fetish and leather shop in the Southeast. Not just in my area, but in the entire Southeast. You know, they are inclusive of all sexuality, genders, and body types. So even me, Daddy Bear, I can find things at Leatherworks. Their quality of their leather products is incredible. You know, they make a lot of the stuff in shop. But they only use the highest quality leather. You can join the Lifestyle Club program. You know, it offers discounts on in-store products and classes. Yes, classes. They offer classes and they have quarterly parties for the community. If you need to get something, you can go to leatherworks.com and the works is W-E-R-K-S. Go there and you can buy online. Hey everyone, welcome back. To continue the story from the very beginning. It was the summertime and I don't remember. It was probably right around 1999, I believe. It was a very hard summer. And a lot of stuff was going on. And the whole beginning of my first year of teaching, the first year of teaching, things was kind of okay. We were trying to separate and do all that. It was actually the second year, and that might have been 99. So my second year of teaching, things just went bad. And I'm talking things did not go well. I had... The principal from my elementary who was going to testify on my behalf. And this same principal actually had my ex-wife as a student when she was in this elementary. So she knew my ex-wife. And she was going to testify on my behalf. The babysitter was testifying on my behalf. I had numerous teachers that were all going to testify on my behalf on how great of a father I was and how great I was with all the students and all this. Everything was looking really well. And I wasn't coming out to my family. I wasn't telling people that the reason we were getting divorced is because I was gay. And that's something my ex said that didn't need to be brought up. So none of that was all going to be a part of this. Until my ex then found out that all these teachers and her ex-principal, who was my ex-boss, and all these people were lining up to testify on my behalf. Her attorney called my attorney, and we had a meeting, and basically all the stuff that I told my ex was all going to be brought up in court, in front of my family, in front of all these teachers, in front of the principal, and they were going to basically destroy me. I mean, destroy me. Really. And they said they would not bring any of this up if I was willing to sign over my custody rights to my ex-wife. I'm sorry. It was... It was the worst day of my life. I was so hurt. I was so scared to come out to my family. I have older brother and sister, and I knew they would probably disown me, and it wasn't going to be no Disney moment. I knew that to protect myself, 
to protect my family, I um, caved in because I knew that if the high school, being a Catholic high school, ran by the Sisters of Franciscans, would find out about it, I would probably lose my job. I loved my job. I loved my daughter. So I was like, well, I can keep my job and still see my daughter every other weekend. I was forced into this. And I ended up buckling and signing off. And it was like, everything, case is closed. It's all done. It was very difficult. And these decisions weighed on me very heavily mentally, and they still do today. And like many people, when you have problems, I turned to alcohol. And I was drinking easily 12 to 18 beers a day. Still going out and teaching, not doing as best the best job that I could do. And I was just hurting about March of my second year of teaching there, I was called into the principal's office. There was the principal, the assistant principal, and the president of the board. And they basically said, well, we have something we have to discuss with you. I said, yeah. And they said, we've been getting phone calls And it's not like we're just getting one phone call. We're getting these anonymous phone calls of people saying that you're gay. And it's now to the point that the phone calls seem to be going to other people, people that have children here. And their parents are calling and saying that they're getting anonymous phone calls that their daughter and now sons, because now we're co-ed, are being taught by a gay man. And is this something that the school board has approved? Well, I was basically terminated from being a teacher. And I lost the job that I loved. And now I didn't have the job that I loved. I didn't have custody of my daughter. And we were going to go to court for a final hearing. And I just knew in my heart that my ex was going to make sure it came out in court so my family would hear. So I went and told my mom and dad. I told them I had something very important I needed to talk to them about. I told my, another thing to understand, at this time my dad was experienced Alzheimer's and he was, I would say, like 50% here, 50% there. And I told my parents, I said, Mom and Dad, I need to tell you something before I go to court for the hearings And I told my parents that I was gay. And my mother looked at me and said, What did I do wrong? 
What did I do wrong? I raised your brother and sister with no problems. I don't know what I did wrong. I looked at my mom and I said, you didn't do anything wrong. And she then said, then why are you gay? My dad looked at me and said, that's okay. Greg, when are we going to go see a baseball game? Now the funny thing about it, Greg's my older brother. So I kind of had a chuckle when I left saying, oh my God, I think my dad thinks my older brother's gay. But that was my coming out. It was very difficult. It, like I said, was definitely no Disney movie. There was not a happy ending. There was years of regret. So many times I would just say, why? Why couldn't I just be straight? Why couldn't I be straight? Life would have been so much easier. That's because I did not love myself. And when you start loving yourself and start putting yourself first and making sure you are happy, that's when your life changes. Love yourself. Be who you are. Stand by yourself. And things will happen for you. It took me five to six years to figure that out. And now I know who Silver Daddy is. Don't live in the past. Live for today. And like I always say, please love, peace, and most of all, respect everyone. You've been listening to Trippin' with Silver Daddy. Bye.